Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the most ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a familiar Sanskrit word today to many, but not all are aware of its uh, philosophical uh, foundation and the practices that accompany that, that are about spiritual awakening, not just health and fitness, but yoga, as the word means oneness, it means bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously connect to and abide in our essential spiritual nature. We could say yoga is being restored to our original oneness or wholeness. It is self-realization. That is knowing the truth about what we are and uh, living in harmony with it. Today's topic is art and spiritual practice, meditation in space and time. Yoga has been called the art of living. Both art and spiritual practice can bring deeper attention and awareness, inspiration and creative energy to our lives. There are, um, you know, some who think of themselves as artists and perhaps some not, but according to yoga, we all practice this art of living. And the juncture where the two meet can provide a profound opening to greater insights. So we are delighted today to be joined by artist, professor, and yoga practitioner Junko Sato Pollock for an exploration of the connection between art and spiritual practice. Junko is an artist and retired associate professor of textiles at the E.G. Welch School of Art and Design of Georgia State University in Atlanta. She's a native of Japan who has lived in the U.S. for over 30 years, and she creates Zen-inspired meditative abstract art 
uh, textile works, fusing Eastern aesthetics and sensibility with the kinetic energy of the West. Her works are housed in the permanent collection of the Museum of Art and Design in New York and are included in numerous corporate and private collections around the globe. And she has a a show going on right now in San Jose, California, that we'll be talking a little bit about during the show. Her website is Junko Satopolak, J-U-N-C-O-S-A-T-O-P-O-L-L-A-C-K.com. Welcome, Junko. I'm so delighted that you're here today on the Yoga Hour. Good morning, Ellen. And before we begin our conversation about art and spiritual practice, let's begin with practicing the art of meditation and quieting our minds for just a moment. We open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, recognizing one reality called by many names is the source, the substance, the support of all that is. So right where we are, right in this moment, we can consciously connect become aware of, abide in our essential nature that is spiritual. It is unmoving and unchanging, but makes possible all movement and all change. And so as you breathe in, simply feel that you bring your attention within, pulling back from the senses, back through the mind, back to rest in the core of your being. And then just notice your breath, breathing in, breathing out. Letting thoughts and feelings arise and pass. And when we become quiet in this way, We can feel the peace that is inherent to our being. It's always there. No matter what is happening around us or to us or within us, there is that peace. And that peace is inherent to the soul. Let us acknowledge that peace now and call it forth. Let it pervade the mind, the emotional nature, the physical body. And let's invite this peace to overflow now as a blessing for all beings everywhere. Peace. As I mentioned in the beginning, that yoga, besides the science of self-realization, is also being called the art of living. And so we find that there is an interesting 
correlation between the expression of actual art, creative art in the world, and this art of living in spiritual practice. And that, in that sense, we are all artists. We are all innately creative and can use our gifts and our talents to create um, beauty in our lives and to live with purpose. So uh, it will be lovely today for us to learn more from a professional artist about these interconnections between art and spiritual practice. So Junko, let's begin with how you see and how you experience the creative process as connected to spiritual practice. Let's start with how you even define art, <laughs> and then uh, let's, yeah. talk, let's talk a little bit about um, that and spiritual practice. Okay. Um, I think art is expression of soul. Individualized spirit needs to be expressed. And there are feelings and thoughts that words cannot fully describe. Art gives other means than words to express such thoughts. Yeah, I think that is a, a beautiful um, way to express what art is. And art, I think both, as we'll be looking at today, both in the creative process, you know, as you have the opportunity to create something, you know, whether you're a professional artist, who, you know, and you're creating something that we would call a work of art or a piece of art, something, or you are engaged in cooking a meal <laughs> or planting a garden using that uh, creative energy um, that is inherent to our being. Um, Shakti, really, this creative force, life force um, that is moving all the time into creation, especially um, art has the... Um, it is a way for us to experience and to express that which is beyond words. And of course, when we think of yoga, uh, the ultimate experience of yoga is beyond words. It's, it's that place where the creative energy, Shakti, the outflowing vital force and the indwelling spirit meet the, this, this experience of oneness. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so, so how do you experience then, if we, if we think of art as something that can take us either as the artist or as the experiencer of the art, that can take us beyond words, um, tell us how you experience this connection, you know, in your own work, um, what goes on for you um, in your studio, for example, when you're working on something? Um, I try to make my work beyond material, something that conveys um, one that cannot be seen. Uh, it's a subtle energy that has to be revealed within. Mm. <laughs> I like that. So you're um, 
So you're working with something inside of yourself, an expression of something. Um, and in a way, it sounds like almost um, arranging conditions, as we would say in yoga. You know, that yoga practice really is about arranging conditions. You know, this this experience and this knowledge is already within us. And so what we do in our practice of yoga, our spiritual practice, is we arrange conditions so that which is so can be revealed. And it sounds like you're saying something pretty similar about your art, that you are arranging conditions for this experience that is subtle, that you, you don't actually put into form, but the form is, suggests it. Is that correct? Yes, it, it is revealed as what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's revealed as what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this revelation then um, happens for the, well, for you, I would assume, as you are putting something into form, but then ideally for the person who is viewing your art or experiencing your art, that there's something that occurs on a subtle level that, that they either connect to, um, you know, with their intuition or their thoughts, um, or not. I mean, you know, there are times, of course, I'm sure, you know, as an artist where, you know, people just get whatever they get, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, it touches something very deep inside. And then there are others who come and say, you know, I have no idea what was this artist thinking, you know, when she put this together. (laughs) Right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, there are ways to work with um, art, actually, from natural object, that it's simply taking the impression of that object in, through your perception into a similar form. That's more a realistic uh, way of working, but there are also very um, intuitive way of working from within. You have a, a image in mind, and that is processed through your either physical hand, physical thinking, or simply um, intuitive. Um, action that gives birth to that thought. Mm. Yeah, and as we're as we're talking about how we use the form of art to support a subtle experience or you know an experience in the observer or the participant. I I honestly I just can't help thinking about Yoko Ono's exhibit, you know, decades ago where there was the ladder and the, um, I didn't see it, but I saw a, a film about it where she had the paper with the hole in it. And the title was, you know, a hole, a hole to see the sky through, right? Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it seems a little funny, but it, it was quite, um, profound really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's a mm-hmm. moment of perception. Yoko Ono often works with the happening um, that is not a continuum, but the moment 
of thought that pops in your mind, mm-hmm. and that gets uh, recorded, and that becomes art. Mm. It doesn't have to be thoroughly, it doesn't have to be thoroughly intellectualized, but it's simply responding to a moment of thought mm-hmm. that rises mm-hmm. in your mind. Mm-hmm. And that seems very close to a meditative experience um, in some ways. So uh, I know that you are a meditator and um, in the Kriya Yoga tradition. So how does meditation influence your work, or does it? Um, Yes. Um, In my work, silence is really important because I have to be really listening to what's happening in my psyche. And so meditation is a very, very essential part of my Mm. art practice. Mm. Mm -hmm. I have uh, found that also, I mean, over the years I have engaged in various types of art, you know, for some time I had a ceramics um, practice and, um, and, and more recently in the recent decades is poetry. And, um, for me, the connection is often, it's like the images or the words come from this creative well inside. And like you say, the silence is the well and, these images or words will arise. And and there's also, you know, I think of my experience as a potter, there's a need to be centered. Uh, Otherwise, uh, you you can run off with (laughs) with, and and lose lose the core of it, you know, just thinking of the potter's wheel. You know, if you yourself are not centered, you can't make a centered pot. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. You have to be able to concentrate. And so, of course, meditation gives us that skill, not only the inner listening, um, but then the ability to concentrate and to uh, execute, to, to carry out um, what it is that we're doing. Um, well, this is a wonderful uh, conversation about spirituality and art, and we'll have a, an opportunity to hear more, uh, Junko, in the next section about your um, background and about your current uh, exhibit. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest today, Junko Sato Pollock, and her website is J-U-N-C-O-S-A-T-O Pollock, P-O-L-L-A-C-K dot com. And when we get back from the break, we're going to um, explore art and uh, spiritual practice. We'll be right back with you. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. 
Are you feeling trapped by a situation you can't control? Don't know where to find help? Do you wonder if help even exists? It does, and it's always been there for you, hidden inside the ancient New Testament story of Lazarus. Unity Books invites you to unlock the secrets to peace and healing in The Lazarus Blueprint, new from best-selling authors Mary Alice and Richard Jafola. Marvel as they unveil six steps for overcoming seemingly impossible situations. Read about people like you who've used the steps to triumph over personal illness, financial hardship, and even the loss of a loved one. The Lazarus Blueprint offers a fresh new approach for fixing anything in your life. With steps so universal, timeless, and powerful, they can work for everyone. Make it your turning point. Get The Lazarus Blueprint today, online at unitybooks.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Junko Sato Pollock. We're talking about art and spiritual spirituality, and in this segment, we're going to be looking at art and spiritual practice itself. Junko, your current exhibition at San Jose Museum of Quilts and Textiles is running um, through April the 28th, and it's titled Meditation in Space and Time, Sutra Chants, 
hangings, and stitch-by-stitch mandalas. Now, of course, the title alone gives us some sense of art and spiritual practice. And um, so I think our listeners would love to hear about your own journey um, to integrating art and spiritual practice, and um, uh, which I understand began with your early years in Japan. So tell us how you this this was formative for you um your early years in japan regarding art and spiritual practice yes my first introduction to spirituality is as a child growing up in a small town in japan at the age 7 i was sent to a calligraphy lessons and dance lessons both were taught by zen monks So we went to temples for calligraphy classes and learned to sit still for 30 minutes doing calligraphy. And my dance teacher was a rebellious son of a priest who went to Tokyo, became a dancer, returned home after his father passed, and converted his old temple that he inherited to a dance studio. (laughs) (laughs) That's an integration of spirituality and art, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Right, totally. And Old Temple made such a wonderful, spacious dance studio, and I joined the dance company at the age of nine and began traveling to perform on weekends. So this... um, These two incidents as a young child, I think I learned my kinetic sense of art in fabric form from these two activities. And both, I think, is a sort of graffiti emotion in the space. Mm. And how did you get attracted to... Um, textile as a medium for your art. How did that come? Um, As a child, I was always making something with flowers, petals, sticks, and stones. As long as I remember, I was a maker of using an object, using all these materials around me. Mm -hmm. And textile is uh, comes later after I uh, graduated from university with a degree in uh, English lang- uh, language and linguistics. I became a translator, and I was assigned to do a translation of African cloth for an exhibition project for Osaka Minge uh, Museum. And while I was translating this textile book, I needed to go visit my uh, studio, a textile studio, in order to learn that what I was translating was correct. Mm. Um, And that brought me into the world of textiles. Mm. (laughs) It's amazing how it, how these things come to us, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You mm-hmm. never know what changes your life. And that mm. 
changed my life. And then how did you, you know, once you had that door open in terms of textile, how did you, how, how did you begin to pursue it where you were still in Japan? I mean, certainly textile art in Japan is very, very rich. And so um, were, were you influenced there as well? Yes, uh, there was already a cultural thing, textile in Japan is, uh, I think it's, it's bred in me, in my blood. My father's family was a traditional indigo dyer in a oh, village. Okay. And my mother's family was a village doctor for nine, ten generations. So these two also has a, a connection to my Korea study. And textiles mm. all, all together. <laughs> so I, I'm just just thinking of this, um, <laughs> you know, image of a of a bridge, and so you have them textiles, your your early life in Japan, being exposed to the, the monks and the disciplines of calligraphy and dance. And uh, so how, how did you become involved with Kriya Yoga? You know, what is it that, that brought you there? And, you know, then uh, how has that changed your approach uh, to your art or your creation of it? Right. Um, I came to Atlanta in 1992. Before that, I came to the States in 1972, married to uh, an Oriental scholar from UC Berkeley. And in 1992, I had a a job. Uh, I joined the Faculty of Arts and Design at, at the Georgia State University and came to Atlanta. And... My spiritual study practice in uh, Kriya Yoga didn't begin until 1993 when I met Roy Eugene Davis, our Kriya Yoga guru, mm-hmm. in his Lakemont retreat. Mm. And, and at that time, I also spent summers at the Handed Center of Creative Art. It's a retreat for artists situated in North Georgia, near where I live now. And uh, these two things also just simultaneously was happening. And I, I was introduced to the natural beauty of the southern mountains and lakes, <laughs> waterfalls, and all that tranquility. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Uh-huh. And I, <laughs> yeah. And the landscape that, there is the landscape there around the meditation center in Lake Mont, Georgia, of course, is so beautiful. And um, I notice in reading about your art, I haven't seen any of these pieces yet, but I notice in reading about it that you're finding some creative things to do with kudzu, which is. Um, Abundantly available, shall we say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Abundant nature's gift, could mm. uh, mm. weed, uh, can be made into fabrics, 
this is what I learned in Japan, and now finally I am able to give it a practice. In Japan, kudzu is a very treasured, uh, rare fiber. Wow. And there is some, <laughs> there is some <laughs> added value to it. Uh, I'm saying wow because if you if you have been um, to the south, um, you'll you'll recognize the kudzu as these these vines that are so um, voracious. They just once they get started, they cover everything, and it is like um, you know wisteria is kind of the same way in the west. You know, one time I had wisteria growing up the side of my house and it grew up onto the um, roof and it wrapped itself around the antenna uh, of the for the television at the time and it literally ate it you know it pulled it off the roof and uh, kutsu has that kind of energy right you know it just sort of consumes and uh, I think people have a tendency to think of it as a a menace and so I would imagine this raising up the status is uh is quite something. Yes, indeed. Kids uh, uh, can be a great resource for the, for the South. People just don't recognize. Um, every American home in the 60s and 70s had kudzu in their home. Those grass cloth wall coverings, that was kudzu fibers. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And so where do you, you know, what is, um, what is happening with this now for you? Are you finding um, people are receptive to learning about this potential? Um, yes. It's just, it, this is my fourth year working with kudzu, and now exhibitions are happening everywhere. There are two expositions going on, on on the subject of kudzu or on the subject of nature. Uh-huh. Very good. Well, I hope that your work with the kudzu takes off like kudzu itself, <laughs> because <laughs> that would be that would be a really good demonstration of the nature of it, you know, and that um, bringing this art and. Uh, the discipline of bringing out the nature of something. So, yeah. you know, when we, when we think about art and you mentioned, you know, finding this path of Kriya Yoga, mm-hmm. um, of course, uh, for those of us who practice yoga, we, we understand it as a, a, a disciplined way of living in that, you know, we, we have to, as I mentioned in the first segment, we're arranging conditions. You know, we're not trying to make ourselves spiritual, but we're arranging conditions so that we're able to have a clear mind, a healthy body, and let our essential spiritual nature be revealed. And much as you said, your artwork is really arranging conditions so the subtle can be perceived. So how do you find, um, Kriya Yoga or the discipline of yoga um, consistent with the kind of discipline that it takes to be an artist or to bring forth art in the world? What, what has yoga taught you about discipline or what has your art taught you about discipline? Uh, yes, Kriya Yoga practice really gives us the tool to really assess where you are and what 
you are and uh, what is happening inside you. Uh, for instance, the first distinction about body material level conditions of us, we uh, Kriya calls a physical level, uh, anamaya kosha, uh, that is simply a sense faculty being. But there are also other beings that Kriya Yoga reminds us of. Uh, for, for example, pranayama kosha, which is about the breath life force level of being, uh, that which life, uh, vitality, and also aura. Mm. The third level is uh, manomaya kosha, which is the mind level or the intelligence wisdom level, uh, which we all have inside us. And there are two other that goes on uh, inside us. One is called consciousness level, chitta consciousness level. And another one is anandamaya kosha, which is the true self, atman, which is a very refined, subtle being that we sense within us. And these are taught by Kriya Yoga, and that tremendously helped in my um, cultivation of awareness of who I am. Mm. And as you were talking about the the koshas or these sheaths or coverings of our being that we learn about in yoga, the many facets of, you know, how the inner light uh, is uh, moves really through space and time. These coverings of the soul make it possible um, mm-hmm. for that which is unmoving, unchanging <laughs> to to move and change <laughs> because these are the components of material nature that, that lets right. us express. And uh, so this, I, I was just kind of sensing a weaving as you were talking about the layers of our being. And I want to take ha- allow a little bit of time now for you to tell us about your current exhibit at the San Jose Museum of Quilts and Textiles, um, this work, Meditation in Space and Time. Um, tell us about that work, um, you know, a, a, bit, a little bit about what it is and um, how, how it influenced you doing this work. Yes. Um, in art making, it is a self-expression, and we need to explore and be aware of what is the source of our art expression, the, the motivating force. And uh, in this exhibition, my motivating source was understanding Buddhism and Kriya Yoga uh, teachings. Uh, for instance, my first, uh, in the exhibition, there are three segments, but the first one was uh, inspired by uh, Prajna Paramita Heart Sutra of uh, Buddhist canon. And um, I wanted to, after reading for many, many, many times, 
I wanted to express my intellectual understanding of this teaching into art. Um, so uh, the, the most heart important element of the teaching of the spiritual entity in that heart sutra is it goes like colors and forms are none other than emptiness. Emptiness is none other than form. Form, it is in fact emptiness. Now, uh, emptiness, it is in fact form. To sense, to imagine, to will, to conceive, they too are all like this. Now, uh, trying to turn that very abstract concept into visual art was my challenge. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> a considerable challenge. And so um, I think what we'll do is we'll take a little break. And when we come back, you can tell us about um, how the inspiration came, if you want, to take this deep teaching of emptiness and form and the dance between them, which we hear in the Heart Sutra. And also it's there in the Ishopanishad. So um, let us take a break now. I'm Ellen. Grace O'Brien and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest artist Junko Pollock. Her website, JunkoSatoPollock.com. And coming up in our last segment, a little bit more about how this uh, art was expressed from its very deep ideas and she's going to be telling you about the mandala of hope. We'll be right back with you. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because The Five Principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life, whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles. They cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music Speaks Louder Than Words When you sing 
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is Junko Pollock. And uh, we're going to be continuing our conversation about spirituality and art. And before the break, Junko was describing her current exhibit um, at the uh, San Jose um, Museum of Quilts and Textiles. And that show is running through April 28th, 2013. Um, and just before the break, Junko, you were talking about the Heart Sutra and the the emptiness and um, and form and this sort of this dance that that goes on. And uh, it was making me. You and I had talked about um, my recent experience in our temple. We had a renovation of our temple, and we have beautiful um, etched glass in the sanctuary that has the carved etchings of symbols of the world's religions and they're in windows and the light comes through these windows and this was the in a sense the centerpiece the big artwork and I was absolutely stunned when the windows were installed because we were uh, expecting this to be the focal point with the symbols shining through and what happened initially when the windows were put in was there was the windows and the light and the etching on the glass, but nothing, you could not see anything. You couldn't see the symbols. All you could see was light. And um, uh, while light is lovely, after you have invested in um, the etchings and you have, you know, you're, you're awaiting this expression. It, I, it took my breath away. I thought, oh no, you know, what will we do? Well, it, it, it turned out that, um, you know, the wall behind the windows had to have a little bit of color in order for the symbols to be seen. And uh, so I think this, this plays into a little bit of what you're talking about with your current exhibit. Is that true? Yes, I think there is a very interesting correspondence in in that um, effort to create something that cannot be seen. The open space. Space is invisible, but we have to somehow make it visually perceivable. And the teaching of the Heart Sutra is the same thing. It teaches there are subtler energy entities in the space. It's like Higgs boson that is non-material, non-physical, non-sense faculty of existence being that has the subtle energy. And I think the heart of the uh, sutra, uh, heart sutra, was the teaching was that. So I wanted to express that in mm. my artwork. Mm. And in doing so, I have exactly the similar experience as you did with your um, etched beautiful images on your sanctuary wall. In my experience, in making the pure, open, void space, 
uh, was, um, well, I went on taking photographs of pure blue sky in order to use the photos to transfer print onto the hangings and that is now exhibited in the museum. And in doing so, I learned that there is not possible to take photographs of pure blue sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the lens did not respond to the pure space without some contrasting shape or color form within it, such as white cloud in the blue space blue sky. So uh, my hangings had to have some sky images while uh, with the white cloud formations within it mm-hmm. to express pure void space. Mm. So it's, it's that you form is like the heart sutra that you would understand that form itself um, suggests suggests space or points to it. Um, that that is the way we perceive it. That form itself um, suggests it. And uh, as you were talking about this, I was thinking about um, that we can we can share time. If you think about this, we can share time. We can be in a time together, but we actually cannot share space. Right. <laughs> Which is because when right. we sh- when we share space, we have mm-hmm. to go um, beyond form. I mean, if the sh- if the space is totally shared, um, it it points beyond form. So that's probably getting a little too abstract. <laughs> Let's come back to um, how how art how art can work um, to to create these meditative experiences also perhaps some healing you know often art is is used and has been used as a way to heal the the human um community you know we see it arising uh after in the in the ashes you know of natural disasters of wars um even broken hearts from individuals right <laughs> there's there's ways in which art comes to heal and uh you you have been working on this project mandala of hope um an interactive project that co- commemorates the Japanese earthquake and tsunami from uh, March in 2011. So tell us about that project. Yes. Mandala of Hope is, um, okay, I'm from Tohoku, northern Japan, on the west coast, not the east coast that had the uh, devastation of the earthquake and tsunami of uh, uh, 2013. Uh, 2011, and I kept thinking what I could do in order to help them. And I realized it's not material that they need, but it's the hope. It's the uh, spiritual uh, entity that they need in uh, in order for them to continue to build for the future. And so um, in this exhibition, I've uh, created a community interactive mandala of hope wall. 
where people can stitch seven inch square of mandala and uh, pin it up as their wishes to give some assistance, some spiritual assistance for Japan. And do you, do you see this as being connected then directly to the community or is this more a subtle experience like the offering of prayer? Uh, it is an uh, offering of prayer, but I am uh, invited and I am participating in an, a series of exhibition uh, which is entitled uh, Rainbow of uh, Bridging the Rainbow of Con- uh, Compassion that is directed toward uh, assisting uh, victims of uh, Japan earthquakes. Uh, for the future constructions. And one exhibition uh, hap- just opened on March 11th in Naples, Italy. Mm-hmm. And this show will go around the world, including Fukuoka, uh, London, Paris, and New York in the next year or two. And I would like to, my thought is to use these community mandala into uh, creating larger piece to send into this exhibition. And also, as soon as I find people to, uh, or uh, uh, organization to uh, contribute, donate the piece, I will um, I plan to do that. Mm-hmm. And it seems that this work itself um, provides the connection, you know, so that this community in Japan, you know, remains in our awareness and um, we are sharing, as you say, you know, hope um, with them. I-, I want to thank you so much, of course, for the work that you're doing in the world, the inspiration that you're bringing and that you have brought to our community by bringing the um, mandala workshop there. It's really been a joy to share this yoga hour with you. And a reminder for our listeners that you can find out more about her work and follow the mandala project and things as they unfold at junkosatopollock.com. And I want to invite you, uh, listeners, to join me next week. And we're continuing a little series here on uh, spirituality and art. So next week we'll be looking at the need for beauty and why art is important to our experience of wholeness. And um, my guest will be Dr. Sherry Silverman. And a reminder that you can sign up for the upcoming class, Go Straight Straight to the Goal, Spiritual Practice, Realization, and Awakened Living. And you can uh, take that class on site at CSE in San Jose or globally online. Wherever you are, you're invited to um, sign up for that course. Go to csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you next time. Remember to help pass the word about Yoga Hour on Facebook. That really helps. And uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace, your joy, and your love, really, with all that you meet. Thank you again, Junko. Thank you, Ellen. It was my pleasure to (laughs) speak with you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. You have a coach in your corner, a life coach that is. Like a coach in sports, a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them. Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesdays at 3 p.m. for Vibrant Living on Unity Online Radio. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused, more meaningful, and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology 
Available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.